Well, it is with the wish of quick healing and recovery that I want to thank Carla for inviting me to preach this morning after she unfortunately tested positive for COVID over this weekend. I'm also thankful to be together with all of you on the second Sunday of the new year as we consider together how God might be guiding us into 2023. Along with our new calendar year, today begins a new sermon series called Spiritual Resolutions. Our guide will be the letter Paul wrote to the early Christian church in Philippi. Today we hear from his opening words in the letter. May we listen for Paul's perspective on how we might live our lives. A reading from the letter to the Philippians, chapter 1, verses 3 through 14. I thank my God for every remembrance of you, always in every one of my prayers for all of you, praying with joy for your partnership in the gospel from the first day until now. I am confident of this, that the one who began a good work in you will continue to complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It is right for me to think this way about all of you, because I hold you in my heart. For all of you are my partners in God's grace, both in my imprisonment and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel. For God is my witness, how I long for all of you with the tender affection of Christ Jesus. And this is my prayer, that your love may overflow more and more with knowledge and full insight to help you determine what really matters. So in the day of Christ, you may be pure and blameless, having produced the harvest of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ for the glory and praise of God. I want you to know, siblings, that what has happened to me has actually resulted in the progress of the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to everyone else that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the siblings, having been made confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, dare to speak the word with greater boldness and without fear. Here ends the reading. Will you pray with me once more? O God of our days and of our years, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. Amen. New year, new me. Or new year, same me. Or how about new year, more me. I saw each of these quips and others be posted on social media over the past week, along with all of the photos and videos recapping 2022 and the other ways in which people rang in the new year. What about you? What did you do to ring in 2023? This year, I was back in my hometown of Memphis, Tennessee. After some time with my family, my husband Mitch and I spent New Year's weekend with some of my oldest friends, people I've known since I was a young teenager. I've spent many a New Year's Eve with these folk, and it was meaningful to both reminisce on old memories and to make new ones, all the while realizing how these friendships have deepened despite time, distance, and change. Time with friends and time with my journal are really my only two New Year traditions. There are many rituals through which people create resolutions each January, I always set out a small list of New Year intentions. Instead of specific goals that become barometers for how much pressure I can put on myself, I like to sketch out ideas for the shape in which I want the next year to unfold. 
What words characterize my mind and spirit at the start of the year? What growth do I intend or envision the next year to bring? How is God's spirit emerging through me in new ways and new directions? Such are the questions, too, with which we begin this new sermon series, Spiritual Resolutions, during which we will explore bits from the book of Philippians as inspiration for us at the start of 2023. Today, our scripture comes from the introduction of Paul's letter, and he begins with resolutions and intentions for how he and the Philippian church can better partner with the new things God was doing. Paul writes the Philippians from prison, and it's not the only letter he pins from behind prison bars. Early Christians were often arrested by authorities for their activity with this movement. It taught that Jesus had inaugurated some new kingdom, one in which God's justice would overturn the Roman Empire and its evil systems of domination and oppression. But the early Christians did not just talk the talk, they walked the walk too, and this is what made them dangerous. Early churches wanted to be microcosms of some alternative society in which power and resources were distributed differently than across Rome. Together, they did overturn the world outside with its elitism, its poverty, and its violence. But Paul does not begin this letter to the Philippians with a call to action. Instead, he connects with them through friendship. Joy exudes from his expressions like, I hold you in my heart, or I long for you with tender affection. I wonder if Paul felt about these folk in Philippi the same thing I feel for my old friends in Memphis. I thank God too whenever I think about them and the ways in which we've grown together over the years, getting more clear on who we are within God's ever-evolving world. But this is more than some sentimental snapshot into ancient friendship. Instead, it's a sweet moment in the midst of a high-stakes environment. Paul's friendship with the Philippians was formed by this common conviction and a divine dream for a different way that the world could be. Paul is determined, despite his detainment, that God was not done with them. Not even the oppressive empires that dominate the world could bar out the good news of God's realm of justice, peace, and love. In the new FX show, Kindred, the main character is also boldly resolved to heal what's been harmed in her world. Dana is a 26-year-old black woman who moves into a new house in California when something strange starts to happen. The first time it happens, she's standing in the hallway when her vision starts to fade. The walls around her change and suddenly she's standing in some other bedroom. There's a crib in the corner with the baby sleeping who Dana realizes has been flipped over on his head. He's struggling to breathe until Dana turns him around, saving his life. Suddenly, two others enter the room. They're all startled and start to yell, and suddenly Dana snaps back into the present day, back in her house, screaming at these strangers who are no longer anywhere near her. This spontaneous time travel does not stop, and Dana quickly discovers that she's being snatched back and forth between the early 1800s and the present day. And each time she goes and saves the life of this child as he grows up. 
So the past was not safe for him. It's not safe for Dana either. Because this child that she's saving is the son of a slave master and lives on the plantation where Dana's own ancestors were kept as slaves. Despite the danger, though, Dana displays this bold confidence throughout the show. She's resolved and believes that there's some purpose in what's happening. Maybe she can change the course of history or at least heal some of the own trauma in her family line. And as she witnesses the brutal evil of slavery firsthand and its terrible effects on society, she learns that even it cannot completely snuff out the humanity of those involved. It is that sense of humanity and this love she finds for her own ancestors that keep Dana present to the challenges she finds herself confronting. Kindred is based on a novel by Octavia Butler, who has written several brilliant novels with simple stories that say a lot about our contemporary society. Most feature a character like Dana, who inspires readers to think confidently and critically about how we too can confront systems of oppression and partner in this sacred task of healing and making this world more whole. I imagine that the folk in Philippi would have been inspired by stories like Dana's. They were also dedicated to this task of undoing oppression. And this is what Paul is encouraging them to in his letter and his statements of love and joy. But Philippians is unique among Paul's letters because it's not particularly ideological or theological. Here, Paul is more concerned with friendship than any fancy theological term. Like we see in the introduction today, Paul is tender and human. Like Dana's relationship to her ancestors in the past, it is his relationship with friends like the ones in Philippi that keep Paul committed to his cause. But friendship turns out to be very theological. As Paul expresses his affection, he begins to explore how these friendships are funnels for the very presence of God. God's spirit overflows in and through the shared love and this common joy. Even though these people are scattered with Paul still behind bars, their relationships render this divine definition for what being human truly means. And together, they recognize that humanity shines with God's own presence, and they resisted the ways in which the world tries to suppress this divine image in us all. Our world today still flashes with moments in which we can see God's image in human form. Many of us saw such a moment on Monday night during the NFL game. If you know me, you probably know I was not watching myself. But I did read about what happened soon thereafter. The Cincinnati Bengals were playing the Buffalo Bills when in the first quarter, one of their players, Damar Hamlin, suffered a heart attack. He was down for almost 20 minutes while receiving medical attention before being brought to a nearby hospital where he's still in critical condition, though thankfully seems to be recovering. Those 20 minutes were a terrifying exception to the typical energy you see in an NFL stadium. It was on Twitter that I first read about the scene of football players weeping, praying, locking arms to surround their teammate and shield him from public view. 
Questions fluttered about whether or not the game would go on. And there were comments about how dangerous of a sport American football can be. There was one response, too, in which someone tweeted about a high school football game they were at once, in which, and the game resumed while a helicopter was still right above the field, carrying a teenager to a hospital after they suffered a major injury on field. Too often, it is too easy to power through and plow over the weight of being human when the systems of our world want to keep spinning. That's what makes Monday night scene so striking. These people who are professionals in this brutal athletic performance that keeps a billion-dollar industry going suddenly surrendered as this tender moment of humanity emerged. As another NFL coach said in reflection of that night, life is bigger than this game. The Philippians also knew that life was bigger than the systems that swept up their world. Their commitment to community created these deep experiences of God's own mystery and meaning. As a church, too, we do things that connect us with the depths of God's realm. On my mind today is our community camp. Each summer, dozens of different folk from our church community spend a week together in the Rocky Mountains. We stay at the YMCA in Estes Park, Colorado, from where we can hike, go horseback riding, go into town to shop or do so much more. But we keep a simple schedule. We share breakfast, we share dinner, we share prayer service each evening. Our intention with community camp is simply to be together present to the relationships with each other and with the sacred. It's easy to sense how magic and mysterious this world is when we're surrounded by community in a place like Colorado and the Rocky Mountains. But each year we intend to return with this sense of wonder and weave it through our daily life all year long. Last summer, on the second to last day of community camp, a small group of us woke up way earlier than any of us would normally prefer to go on a sunrise hike. We loaded up a couple of cars and soon discovered that 5 a.m. is the only time you can find parking in Rocky Mountain National Park. But we did and made great time and arrived at our destination, Emerald Lake, just a few minutes before the sun was supposed to crest over the mountaintops, creating this surreal scene as it reflected over the quiet, glass-like lake. Unfortunately, it was a cloudy morning, and we never actually saw the sun rise. And we were stunned by the colors of the sky and the shades of the rock and the treetops. But even if we had seen that picture-perfect sunrise we had come to see, I think it would have been eclipsed by the tender togetherness we felt on that trail. Everyone at community camp had gotten to know each other so well, We connected during meals or through trailing conversations on hikes. And this was the real beauty of the week. Took some time that morning by the lake to do my daily journaling, and I'm sure that those words sounded something like Paul's introduction in this letter to the Philippians, his joyful prayer of gratitude. In difficult moments since then, such tenderness has turned into confidence that God is indeed making the world more whole, even when it seems to be spinning out of control. The TV show Kindred starts with a startling scene. 
Dana snaps back into the present day, into her new home, after being snatched out of some altercation that's left her seriously wounded. She begins to tend to herself and realizes that even once she's healed, she will still be scarred. Whatever the purpose of this troubling time travel, the healing work she was doing would not leave her the same. The Philippians knew that the work they too were doing in their community and across this wider network of churches could not leave them the same. It cost them. Rome was dedicated to the way they did things and would turn to violent means to end anyone who tried and resist. And so friendships like Paul's and the Philippians could really change things and thus was dangerous and through it they risked their lives. Yet Paul does not give some narrow rules to the Philippians or try to guide them into safety. He simply celebrates their humanity and their friendship, which itself is the form through which God works to heal and change the world, carrying people through even the most costly challenges to their commitments. God is still working to remake the world. There are systems of oppression and domination that still shape our world and scar the lives of too many people. We each struggle for survival or for meaning and wonder if there is hope for this chaotic world to change. Yet we each too are invited to encounter something sacred in the space in between each other. God goes in and through our humanity and friendships, tying us together with tender affection that affirms that the divine is still dancing with and within us and making the world more whole. Theologian Elia Delio says it this way, to say that God is love is not to find God anywhere other than where love is. And every created being, from quirks to stars to human persons. She thus affirms that we need each other, for the mystery of divine love is hidden in the other, and it is precisely in the other that God shines through or hides in the unbearable wholeness of being. So as we set our sights on 2023, God does not give us specific rules or narrow resolutions. They do not need us to simply do more or become some super versions of ourselves. God is less concerned with productivity or progress and instead invites us into presence. So as we start this year together, may we soak in the sacred presence within us and between us. May we know that there is divine depth to our humanity. And may we sense God working to make us all more whole. Amen.